You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 184, Alphonse Muzan, Mind Transplant. And coming to you from the Joloff Rice suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John M&M's Matola. And coming to you from the suburbs of Music City, USA, it's your old pal with the stupid name, The Simple Man. <laughs> hey, Simple Man. Amazing having, hey, guys. having you back. This has been a, Welcome back. a long time coming. Ah, great to be here. Thank you guys so much. So the last time you were on was uh, a long time ago for our Billy Cobham Spectrum album. Um, what episode? I'm looking that up right now because I can't remember. Episode 71. Oh, time. my goodness. Whoa. Wow, that's when my that's when my desk was over there. <laughs> uh, How times it all looks different to me. Yeah. The new world. <laughs> no, I do the uh, the jazz rock fusion guy for the Deep Purple podcast. Yeah, because I have no qualifications to to be that guy, but <laughs> it seems like every 111 episodes or so it, it comes up, and I have to to jump in and <laughs> some Tommy Bowen and some good drumming. Yeah, it's um, it's really strange that we were talking about this. I think when Rye was on last, is that when we get a guest on, they all of a sudden just immediately get uh, typecast as that's <laughs> that's their uh, they're in for the show, and um, uh, we're gonna have to break that mold with you, Why of not? course, because there's not a heck of a lot of jazz. I think this is the only other one that I can think of <laughs> of a jazz oh, fusion album on. featuring, like you said, Tommy Bolin and an incredible jazz drummer. So. Um, <laughs> But, but I think the, the reason behind it when I reached out to you was, uh, you know, since you're a big fan of the Spectrum album, this is in the same vein, but something, you know, a little newer for you that you're not as familiar with, because um, I think I just sent right. it to you the other day. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's right. No, same idea. We can really kind of get into it and, and check it out. So if if people listening don't know you, where can they find you in the podcast realm of the Deep Dive Podcast Network? Yeah, I have the I host the Skinner Reconsidered podcast, which I'm almost embarrassed to talk about the, at this point because it's been such a long hiatus. <laughs> I still have one album, one season to go. I think probably 110 episodes ago when I was on this show, I probably was beginning my break <laughs> talking <laughs> you're, about how you're I saying promise <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up soon. <laughs> yeah, but we're here. We are, but it'll get done. But check it out. I mean, there are a lot of old episodes. If you if you want to listen to me talk some more, and you want to hear about Leonard Skinner, it's called Skinner Reconsidered, and it's impossible to spell. But <laughs> best of luck to you. It's kind of like an IQ test. So I only want the smartest listeners. So if you can figure out how to spell it, then you can access the show. And then in addition to that, you guys know Rye from Sabbath Bloody Podcast, and he and I host a monthly podcast called North by South. Rise from Canada, and I'm from the Nashville, Tennessee area. And each month we pick a theme. Could be murder ballads. Could be uh, we just did producers and production. And we talk about what we think that topic means. And we each pick a song from our respective regions. The listeners get to vote for their favorite 
it's a lot of fun. So check out North by South. Yeah, I enjoy. Uh, I just voted on the most recent episode, and uh, yeah, definitely Thank check you. it out. It's a jellyfish song. Versus, it was the theme. And there's a theme every every episode. So this episode was about producers and production. So it was a jellyfish yeah. song, and then what was the other song? I can't remember the guy's name. So, yeah, so Rock covered Daniel Lanois, which I enjoyed because it's one of those names that you know. And uh, but I've never really kind of kind of looked at his. Career. And so he played a handful of songs that were produced by the great Daniel Lanois, who is from Canada, but he is. Um, so yeah, Jellyfish Spilt Milk album took on Daniel Lanois. Nice. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting stuff. So John, what's going on over there with your M&Ms? What's, what's the story? Yeah. Well, you know, you know how I have that, you don't have that old sweet tooth. Yeah. Oh, some peanut this is, this is how Ozzy would hold a bag of M&M's. He would pose <laughs> like this with them. He would, yeah, it's, yeah it's, right. it's his default pose for everything. Yeah, just like biting it. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just had a craving for these bad boys the other day, and I'm surprised that the the bag is still around. I always get the one that says sharing size, and I'm like, not in this house. Yeah, we'll see about that. Sharing my ass. Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you no other people that live here all right i'm i'm, I'm trying to tough it out because i made a, a i made a big pot of jollof rice which is like a, a nigerian rice um dish and i made it a little yeah. too spicy <laughs> so I'm, I'm struggling a little over here i'm I'm also a huge wuss when it comes to spice so some other people might have it and say this is totally fine what do you put in that rice what is that dish so it's usually like tomato and peppers um and then it's just a bunch of seasonings like cardamom, cumin, uh, allspice, uh, turmeric, and probably a bunch of other things I'm forgetting. So it's a big, it's almost like a curry mixture of spices. Um, and it's really good. I did mine with a little, uh, little stewed beef, and uh, it was quite good. My son, my son had it for the first time earlier this year, and he's in love with it. So I. I figured out how to make it, and he said this isn't as good as the one we had last time. I said I agree. <laughs> Next time we will try to tone down the spice a little bit. But was, thanks for the great meal, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was I was expecting worse, to be honest. I could tell he was trying to be polite. Um, it was good. It was just too spicy. But, yeah. Hey. Anyway, if you want nice, uh, nice minestrone tonight, courtesy of Mama Matola. Oh, nice. Well, that's not so yep. bad. Sounds yeah. like a winner. She always she always sends me home with something. That's good. That's like like a good mom should. Um mm-hmm. so hey, if you want to support the show, there's a few ways you can do do it. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Always looking for those. Get you a spin on the uh the flexitone or the mystery instrument. Um then we've got uh you can merch on our Etsy store. Um nobody usually does, but I think we kind of re- reached our saturation point with people buying stuff from <laughs> Etsy. I need to close mm-hmm. that store down. I've been saying that for about a year. Uh, this time I need it. Um you can become a patron on Patreon. Going out of business sale. Yeah, exactly. I should, I should do that. We had there this, you go. we had this jewelry store. Right near where we lived in New York, and it was a very we lived downtown, and we could just walk and walk to the little downtown area. And there was this jewelry store going out of business sale, and they had it for like I don't know a month, and then the signs just came down; it was still open. (laughs) You you assholes! And I think we changed our mind, guys. Everything's great. I think they did it again, like the next year. I think they were just liars. Um, (laughs) 
Whoops, just kidding. We uh, we figured out our finances at the last minute. Yeah, business was so good. It was like, I mean, they did, they should have treated it like it was like, you know, a last minute telethon thing to keep the business running. And, oh, we just made it. Yay. But then uh, yeah. they were just liars. Um, just liars. You can become a patron on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show. Keep us in good things. Get Let us buy albums, all that sort of stuff to, to support the show. Put money towards the uh, new computer fund, which I've been talking about probably since, the, since episode one. And you can also donate on PayPal if you'd prefer that. We also take donations on Cash App at dollar sign DPPOD. Uh, always, always excited to get those. Um, the one time we ever did. Um, and uh, hey, speaking of patrons, um, coming in at our executive level tier, we have the $25 Uncommon Man tier, Ovis Nakvi and Purple Maniac. At the 10 pound tier, Dr. Jill Brees. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and Mikkel Steen. At the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, Kev Roberts, and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. And at the $9.99 What's Going On Here tier, Mr. Richard Fusey, who always keeps it um keeps it mixed up um all right so as promised um i've been teasing this for a number of episodes that when we get another five star review um we're going to break out a a new percussion instrument because uh uh, just to try to get somebody to write in and and it worked so uh here we go oh thank goodness because he almost took my head off with that one (laughs) (laughs) so do it again fiber slap I, when you do it, I don't hear anything. I couldn't hear it either. You couldn't hear it? No, I think maybe you kind of froze, but this needs to pay off. For was, the, it so, uh, was it so loud? That it, let's try, I'll try it further maybe away. It, maybe it's out back, yeah. Anticlimactic for me. You can't hear it? <laughs> How is this Not possible? at all. <laughs> really? okay, maybe it's too loud. Okay, maybe. well, John and I will be quiet, right. and maybe you back up a little yeah, well, okay, more. I'll go way back. Right, way back. Way here. back. All right. You hear that? <laughs> Nothing. No, it just looks like you're. It just looks like you're smacking something. So that's yeah. really weird. So something in the it, well, you'll hear it on the show uh, probably too many times now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I deserve to been, hear it. Is all it's all I'm been, saying. It's been caged up for too long. I was yeah. going to say, somebody please give us a five star review because Nate won't tell me what the damn thing is. I'm like, wow. Like, th- did I not plug it in? Why is it not making any? No- this doesn't make any sense. Um. There must be something in that frequency that Zoom says, nope, that's interference, block it out. Because mm-hmm. normally we use the flexitone and... Can you hear that? Actually, I didn't hear that either. I didn't either. Oh, man. You know, we're coming up on Halloween, guys, and something spooky is going <laughs> this on. This is spooky. This is really this weird. This is spooky. Because this is like audio. Is like, over there. It's right where my face is, and you can hear the th- noises that are coming out of my face right now. But you can't mm. hear the percussion. Well, hopefully, I don't know. You might not be able to hear this on YouTube, and I apologize for that. Uh, but you'll, another reason of, of many to check out our audio feed, which is a superior sound quality, where you get to really take in all the rich tones of the Vibraslap and now the Flexitone for this five-star mm. review. Um, mm. But this comes to well, us uh, from an old friend, and that's uh, Mr. Frank Tealgard Mortensen, a longtime patron and supporter of the show, coming to us from Denmark. Five stars. Title, my favorite podcast of all time, exclamation mm. point. The Deep Purple podcast is by far the best podcast I've heard. I love the band and all the solo outputs, projects, etc. In this setting, we get tons of information about the many Deep Purple and related albums, releases, and all in the company with the great 
hosts slash friends Nate and John. If you like purple, you need to check this out. If you like music, you must check this out. They deserve the five stars. And if you love this show like me, then you can become a Patreon and support the show. Nate and John has been my friends for the last couple of years. They just don't know it yet. Ooh, very nice. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. See, we've been we've been waiting for a few episodes for a new review and they really paid off. And that that was, guy, I agree with that guy. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I Everything he said that. was true. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can become friends with us because we do have a patrons only discord uh, where you can sign up and, and join us on the chat as one of the perks of becoming a patron. And also uh, you get access to our rating spreadsheet. Just uh, shoot us an email. And we'll add you to the rating spreadsheet. If you want to dive deep into the ratings and tell us all the ways we got everything wrong. We would appreciate that. Yeah, you can do the uh, the John Matola like uh, immersive experience. You can open it up and fumble around with the spreadsheet just like I do. And- <laughs> yeah, except it won't be as time sensitive when you're doing it. Probably, <laughs> you can pretend you're me. It could be like one of those uh, what do they call virtual reality yeah. things? Like it's oh, yeah, no. it's the deep purple podcast girlfriend experience, just completely immersive. <laughs> Pretend like you're one of the hosts. Um, well, we, we appreciate everyone who supports the show. And um, if you enjoy our show, check out some other shows on the Deep Dive Podcast Network, deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. We have uh, uh, The Simple Man's Show, Skinnered Reconsidered, uh, which you can spell it. You guys are all smart who listen to this show because you can you can smell it real easy. Just throw in a lot of extra Y's and you're all good. Extra Y's. That's the key. More Y's than you think possible yeah, if, if there if there is a vowel that can conceivably be uh substituted with a y just do that and you're good just go for it there it is yeah um, we got uh sabbath bloody podcast we got t-bones prime cuts in the lap of the pods the magician's podcast hawk binge made in a to z diary of the Mad Men, universally speaking metal gods podcast this the podcast will rock oh my goodness i just lost my sheet I'm, lo- I'm, I'm lost already. Okay. Um, backtracks. Aerosmith revisited. So far, so pod, so what? And the Tom Petty Project. I was actually on the most recent episode of So Far, So Pod, So What? Not really, but just like I sent the voicemail basically, and they they hacked it up and talked about it, and and graciously cut out the things where I made a fool of myself because I didn't realize they were cover songs. <laughs> they were like, "Ah, oh, we we cut those parts out because yeah, I don't think you realize the last two songs were covers." I was like, "Nope, I'm an idiot." So. Don't know the dead Kennedys well enough, apparently. It's the beauty of editing. That's what I do heavily on my shows. I don't know how you guys do it where it's mostly live, right? I know you go back and maybe clean it up, yeah, but it's, you it's, guys don't put out a lot, right? Very rare that we edit anything out. Um, yeah, it's pretty much li- live to tape, as it were, but everything's multi-track, so we just kind of clean stuff up. But um, it shows. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's it. I think it's easier that way. Um, but yeah, if, if we edited out all of our mistakes, I mean, it would be, I would need a, a secondary producer. So, um, <laughs> all right. So here we are, this album, 1975, Alphonse Muzan, mind transplant. What John, do you have any history with this album? I know, you know, the tracks from the ultimate, but any, any history with the album in total? I think that's it. I mean, I knew that it was on uh, the ultimate, and w- was there one or two songs from I there? Think, I think two tracks. Can't remember. I think it's the last two tracks on this that featured Tommy Bolin solos had um, uh, were on the ultimate. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the only um, way that I've heard the album. I don't know if uh, I always say this. I 
probably don't think I've heard the album, but as soon as you put it on, be like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, uh, I have no real memory of diving into the whole album. So, um, but you know me, I love all things Tommy Boland. So looking forward to it. All right. And uh, what about you, Simple Man? Do you have any memories of the, or and, and, well, did you get a chance to listen to it or are you just waiting to do it live? Well, yeah. So I made the decision that I would not become an expert on this album over the course of a week or so. So maybe it would be more interesting to just have the initial reaction here live on your podcast. And also I'm lazy, but I, so I, but I'm familiar with the drummer. I've heard of the drummer and, you know, know a little bit about him. Just know he's one of these great jazz rock type drummers from the seventies. Um, and then I think I'd heard of the album, but that's, yeah, that's about it. So I'm going in cold. Yeah, that's generally what we've been doing lately is um, if there's an album that we're either not super familiar with or not familiar with at all, we almost just make a point of saying, oh, we're not going to do that episode for a year. Well, I'm still not going to listen to it and just do the real time reaction on the show. It <laughs> makes it a little more genuine. Yeah. Um, I think so. All right. So this band. So we've got Henry Davis on bass. He's like this legendary uh, studio guy played with uh, Smokey Robinson, Albert King, Marvin Gaye. We've one confusing thing about this album is is, it says composed by Elvina Muzan, which sounds like it would be somebody out there listening has got to have some information about this. I thought maybe it's his wife. Um, So like it's almost like co-composing credits. And here I go being an old man trying to read the sleeve here. But um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I can't really find out. I found an Elvina Muzan on 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 Facebook who seems to reside where Alphonse used to live. So maybe it's his wife. Uh, but but I couldn't find any information about who he was married to online. So I'm assuming this is his wife. Uh, we've got Alphonse Muzan doing drums, vocals, synthesizer, electric piano, organ. Um, so he's kind of does a, a little bit more multi-instrumental than like Billy Cobham was. Um Jerry Peters, an electric piano. He um, he worked with Earth, Wind and Fire, Aretha Franklin, Quincy Jones, um, Al Green, like a lot of like just amazing uh, soul R&B artists. Uh, Lee Rittenor on guitar, uh, who is like a jazz guitarist, um, worked with a bunch of stuff. His first session ever was uh, with the Mamas and the Papas, um, and they named him Captain Fingers. <laughs> great name that's a great name for a guitar player now, then of course we got uh, Tommy Bolin on guitar as well and then another guitarist Jay Graydon who is at a, a Grammy winning producer guitarist he worked with uh, Steely Dan, Dolly Parton Jackson 5 um, Alice Cooper um, he also is re- well uh, probably his one of his most renowned works that everyone has heard is he played the guitar solo on Peg by Steely Dan so, um, somebody, so who's somebody whose guitar solo has been born into your brain over the past, like however many years. And you probably didn't even realize it was him. Um, we've got, uh, George Horn and, and Gabby Garcia engineering, um, <laughs> the George Horn, uh, who mastered this mastered, um, he mastered the, uh, great pumpkin Charlie Brown soundtrack. So I thought that was fitting for the holiday season. Um, we've got Fred Katiro who worked with uh, Al Cooper, the little Skinnerd connection there and peaches and herb who did we mention peaches and herb? No, no, that was never mind. (laughs) I thought we mentioned our last, uh, 
our last episode, but I'm thinking about a weird dinner I had with my friend the other night where you're talking about peaches and herb. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would remember if that was... I would remember if that was introduced into the conversation. They had this um, weird dish on the menu. It was like peaches and grains, and it was like grilled peaches and like grains, and it was like, it sounded too interesting not to get, so we got it, and it was really good. Uh, but I kept calling it peaches and herb. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, George Butler, executive producer, he was a, a big A and R guy. Um, signed, uh, he actually signed Harry Connick Jr. and Winton Marsalis. Um, then we've got uh, the 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 last producer, Skip Drinkwater, which is just one of the all time great names. Um, so oh, this is great. Skip Drinkwater, <laughs> Captain Fingers, <laughs> Skip Drinkwater. It's a great name, right? That does, that's not real. That can't be real. It's his real name. According to this, I couldn't find any evidence that supported him having another name. So it could be. I don't. I don't know what to tell okay. you. Um, all right. So I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna share this album cover with y'all. All right. So here it is, the cover of Mind Transplant. Um, who wants to kick it off? What do you guys think of this cover? Is that? Is that two Alphonse Muzones talking to each other? Is that what's happening? It, it, it One whispering into the ear of the other? As I understand it, yeah, it's two incredibly well-dressed Alphonse yeah. Muzones speaking you to know, each other. A, what do you think the one is saying to the other one? I think he's saying... <laughs> what do you think he's what saying? What do you think he's saying, Nate? Uh, I, I think he's saying, <laughs> Psst, you look like Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good guess i always took it like he was he was that was how he was transplanting his mind into somebody else he was like whist like like that's that's how it was done it's like you know they have the vulcan mind meld what do they do they put like mm-hmm. it's like the, the fingers on the head <laughs> um this is uh this is his way of transplanting himself into his it's just very it's a very striking interesting album cover it is uh, i agree just a just very yellow suit and a very red suit He's talking to himself and just his mind transplant in the background like 10 times. Uh, but th- this always jumped out at me as just being a really, really cool album cover. Um, yeah, it's cool. I love the the white background. So then the the two very colorful, uh, the clothes on the on the two out Muzans here. Uh, it really pops within the black print. Yeah, it works. It definitely stands out. Yeah, it's it's yeah, I, I agree. It's great. It's a great cover. Um, the art direction was Bob Cato, who designed um, he he won two Grammys for album cover design, which I didn't I don't think I even knew was a category. Uh, but one of them was for uh, a Barbara Streisand album and the other one was for Bob Dylan's greatest hits, which is like a, another very iconic uh, album cover. Um, then you've also got work by uh, Lloyd Ziff. Ria Lewerk and Doug Metzler to, who did the photography. So pretty cool album cover. Um, it's cool. Back cover is for some reason not wanting to load right now. Uh, let me get this rid of this here. Um, but the back album cover is got a little bit of a close up of our, our man here um, on the drums. So you've got him on the drums and then you've got the mind transplant band standing behind him um hey. tommy bolin and green there um the track. Yeah. so if you zoom in down there you see tommy bolin and 
some of the other guys I couldn't really identify. Um, the guy on the right, he looks like he's trying to pick something out of his teeth. He does. <laughs> the guy next to Tommy Bullen, he's going like... <laughs> he just, yeah. He just, that's, that's what it looks that like. poor guy. They probably got the picture back. Everybody else loved the way they looked in this one photo. And that one <laughs> poor guy was like, come on, can we... Can we try to pick out another one? <laughs> I, I oh, no, we got to go with this one. We all look like, cool nope. except for you. I think they gave the 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 shot to to Alphonse, and he just saw himself, and he's like, "I look dynamite," and handed it back. Like, I don't think he even saw anybody else in that photo. <laughs> Which he does, and he does look <laughs> great. Print it. Uh, but you got Print Tommy Bolin in the green jacket right behind him, and then the other guy who just got done polishing off a couple of ears of corn, um, you know, <laughs> on the on the right side. I, I don't know who that uh, is. I like you have the two photos on the back and one is Alphonse is just decked out. looks amazing dressed to the nines head to toe. And then the other picture he's playing the drums and might be completely naked. I don't see any clothing on it. Maybe a pair of shorts. Maybe he's wearing shorts. He's certainly shirtless and contrast got a great, just glistening big biceps in the foreground. I mean, just looks amazing. He's doing it. Why ever wear a shirt? If you look like that, I wouldn't. Um, So here we go. the, The record label from blue note famous jazz label um and that's it you know not a ton of uh liner notes not a ton of information about this album just kind of in general um in this the book uh touched by magic uh, by greg prado there's very little about this album uh but there's one Tommy Bolin quote that I've seen in quite a few places. And he says, um, Tommy Bolin says, I also did the mind transplant album with Alphonse Muzan. I really like the LP, but every tune is about a minute too long. Um, so funny when you kind of look at the track listing because they're all three and four minute long songs. It's not, <laughs> I, I, when, I, when, shorter. I, when, when I read that, I was like, maybe I'm forgetting like where there's something crazy about these out al- about these songs, but yeah, they're pretty average length. I would say, um, yeah, 30 that's one seconds thing and it would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did look at it, I think it's eight songs, 33 minutes or oh, yeah, which to me felt right. That's what a instrumental album like this should be. Mm. Um, but maybe it could have been, you know, 24 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's perfect because, you know, back in the 70s, the 60s, 70s, the albums were 30, 35, 40 minutes for a really long album. And yes. In the CD age, 70, 70 minute albums, and a lot of it's just too much. Um, but it seems like we're getting back to we're get we're now in a territory where people aren't really even thinking of like a physical medium. So some, sometimes you're getting albums that are like a band that I really love, uh, Wolfpack. They always put out these like 35 minute albums, 30 minute albums, and it's great. It's refreshing to get those, and you can just listen to them on one little drive or whatever. And, um, I mean, I don't have any, there are some long albums that I really love, but um, it can be a little fatiguing and, or, or a little hard to get into or a little inaccessible if they're that long. Um, I'm with you. I mean, now I guess that there's, you know, with streaming and everyone just kind of picking a few songs here and there that they like, I guess I understand more the argument of just putting out a lot of stuff and seeing what sticks, what works for somebody. But if you actually want to sit down and listen to an album all the way through, yeah, the way they did in the 70s, makes a lot of sense to me and a little over a half an hour and, you know, put your best stuff together and, and get out of there. I, I think maybe I'm just being a little bit of an old man about it because like a lot of people, I don't think even listen to albums. I, I'm very much like, I want to, I don't really cherry pick songs. I just want to listen to a whole album. So I'll find it on Spotify and listen to the whole damn album. Even if there's just one song I'm really looking for. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but that's kind of the way I choose to still do it. So I, I'm, 
sure that we're a dying breed in that respect. But John, you're more of a cherry picker, aren't you? You kind of you'll skip past songs and. Yeah, yeah. These days, um, if I mean, if there's like a new, new album that I like, there's a song on that I heard. Then yeah, I'll listen to the album. But if I after hearing it a few times, if I've identified my favorite, say if there's like eight or ten songs, then I'll listen to the same two or three over and over, and maybe skip over the other ones. Um, and, uh, that goes for a lot of the older albums that I like to in the mood to hear like one song from a band, I'll skip right to that one. And that's it. Yeah. I don't, I'm, maybe it's more Ooh. so, well, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's more so like the, the particular, um, I guess maybe it depends on the particular album or artist too. Um, and the, the stuff that I grew up with, I'm so used to having you know having to listen to it like if i if i grew up with it on vinyl or cassette there was no option to just say oh i'm well there was but it was just too much trouble on a record it was a little easier on a cassette you know later on they had that little skip song feature on cassettes but that didn't really come out until i I was pretty much into cds yeah well i mean yeah you could you could skip ahead uh, just to the next song. So it was a little bit more advanced, but I think that I I've always embraced technology. So I'm one of those people that uh, I'm just, I'm happy that I don't have to listen to an album full of like garbage or, um, um, what do you call them? Um, filler tracks and stuff like that. I could just skip to whatever song I want. And that's one of the best things for me about listening to music now. Although there are times when um, I talk about getting a, a, a turntable for my records and everything, and you really can't cherry pick then, you know, mm-hmm. and um, um, if I'm in the mood, obviously, like I could listen to almost any one of the albums that I have just by putting in Spotify. But there are a couple of times I've dropped the needle and been like, yeah, this is this is cool. Um, sometimes you're in the mood to hear an album. I like I haven't I don't think I've done that with Deep Purple in a while. Like listen to in rock from front to back or something. That's that's something that I'm like, if now that we're talking about, it, I'm like, oh, I really should do that. You should. And I, but I will challenge your I've always embraced technology. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, <laughs> I'd like to in the wish, recent in the recent years. <laughs> I wish it, in, in episode n- negative 2087, uh, John was ah, I'm never updating the CDs. Ah. I've got, got too many right, kiss, right. kiss tapes, but um, <laughs> All right, so no, can these, I ask you guys a a question. Yes. Based on yeah. what you said, John, do you, yeah. now that you do this podcast, mm-hmm. do you guys ever listen to deep purple on your downtime when you're not making the podcast or is it kind of, I don't want to say it's ruined it for you. Obviously it right. hasn't great fun thing you guys do, but do you just ever decide to throw on deep purple um, when you're hanging out or is it kind of changed that a little bit for you? No, I do. Um, I do sometimes. Um, actually it's a lot more when, um, if I, if I hang out with Rich, um, if we're like at his house or something, he'll throw on like a playlist and sometimes it's varied and sometimes it's like all deep purple or deep purple heavy. And, um, it's great too, because if like, uh, I don't know, I can't honestly can't remember if you and me did that when I was out there, Nate, if we, when I did that, but 
it's it's just kind of like when you're listening to those familiar songs with somebody else that you know really loves and you're like oh yeah i haven't heard this one in a while or oh yeah i love this part coming up and it's it's just great to do that with another person um and um now that i'm thinking about it too to go back to the other thing is the, i think the only time i listen to an album front to back on a regular basis is on the show yep, now yeah. that i think about it makes sense. We, ha- we have to yeah that makes sense I try to like I think I listen to more of this stuff than I otherwise I think doing the show has opened my eyes to listening to stuff that's in the extended Deep Purple universe that I never really mm-hmm. gave too much of a fair chance back 30 years ago. So like when you went on posting things about like, oh, on this day, this album came out or whatever nonsense I'm posting on a, on a daily basis. Sometimes I'll say, well, well, you know, if I've, if I've got some downtime or some, I'm in a situation where I can listen to music, I'm like, well, I should listen to that album because I'm maybe not as familiar with it. So I'll put it on. There's some of the core deep purple albums that I'm super familiar with. So I, I won't listen to them. I'll also get really superstitious about overplaying things. Like I don't want to, um, I don't want to like uh, like ruin it for me so that I can't listen to it anymore. So sometimes mm-hmm. I will um, I will just end up uh, avoiding certain albums or certain songs uh, because I, I want to save them for like a special moment or something. I don't know if there's any sense in doing that, but that's kind of what I end up doing. But all right. Um, so can you oh, I don't think we can hear you right now. I'm sorry, it froze. Oh. So I mean, it's just like not going well. And you guys can ignore me, but I normally would have listened to the rest of your answer to my question and responded, but I missed it. Sorry, <laughs> you can cut this out. No, you can you can listen to it later. I'm sure it was an amazing. Yeah, it's answer. gonna be great later to hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into listening to the uh, album, getting into the tracks, um, uh, do you need to do anything on your end, uh, technology wise, or are you just gonna? power through i mean i don't know what i could do honestly because i've tried everything already so i'm gonna have to get someone out to the house so i'm sorry it just may be a little annoying no but seriously i mean you guys can do it without like you know i'll pop back in so don't worry about me you know i'll just be popping back in follow along as best as i can (laughs) yeah sorry all right no 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 worries um i think i with these songs too you get you get the gist of them they're pretty uh it's not completely inaccessible or like a crazy out there uh uh prog album or something they're just kind of really cool jams so anyway yeah. before we get into the tracks we do have to of course thank our core level patrons coming in at the seven dollar 77 cent keep it warm rat tier we have michael vader at the six dollar 99 cent new nice price tier we have fielding fowler at the episode six dollar 66 cent tier we have steve coldwell arthur smith Anton Glaving at the $6.65 almost evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore at the $5.99 nice price tier. We have Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 moneylender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi, the perfect stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwapper, the electric alchemist, Percival Frequency, and Scott Zerns. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. Without further ado, we'll get right into the tracks. First track on the album, John, the titular Mind Transplant. Mm. Mm. 
this really awesome harmonized guitars. Sounds like a like a Mega Man level. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, really funky 70s jazz stuff. Super dry drums. Love the bass. Love how the bass is right out front. Dig that. And this guy's a double bass guy, too. He's You can just hear him going like crazy. Yeah, it almost sounds like he's doing metal, like early rock yeah, metal like, or something. Yeah. Metal double bass we'll get on some heavy stuff I like do 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 my favorite bass bass fill of all time <laughs> yeah if you get me on a bass I don't last three seconds without throwing that in <laughs> what year is this again 75. Oh, so good. So it was recorded in December of 74, I believe. Yeah, because Bullen would have been on the road with Purple in 75. That's kind of like, I think the whole song is in like 6-8, but they throw this in and it sounds like a little bit more of a strange time signature because of the way they're playing it. Or maybe it's just this section, maybe the rest of it's in 4-4. So Alphonse Muzan's doing the synthesizer solo on this one. making no mistake that this is a drum album you know <laughs> I was gonna say, that's a lot of drum notes Symbols, or it, sounded, it almost sounded so washed out. It like didn't even sound like symbols. Slot to start the album. <laughs> oh yeah, and of course, That's how you get our attention. Uh, of course, Amazon immediately forgot my album 
or uh, I don't know why I, we've, this is like an ongoing thing with the show and I don't know why it happens, but I like I meticulously put the album cover on the MP3s so that they're all lined up perfectly. And then I throw them <laughs> into this this program and then it's like it sees it shows my album cover that I picked and attached to this MP3. And it's like, oh, wait a second. We got a much smaller, lower resolution one with like an Amazon logo on it for no reason. We're going to just go ahead, <laughs> do you a solid favor and replace that. Um, so I think yeah, you'll be very yeah. happy with what we did here. I cannot figure out how to turn those off. It's so annoying. Um, and to our audio listeners, they don't care. They don't know. But anyway, it just pisses me off. All right. Mind transplant. What do you guys think about that one? Mr. Mr. Man, Mr. Simple Man. Do you want to go first? Yeah, that, that was cool. Like you said, Onslaught is the way to describe it. Um, that definitely gets your attention right from the start. I love the the kind of funky bass. I wasn't expecting as much funk Mm -hmm. as I got maybe from this, what I was thinking of as just a pure jazz rock album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually kind of see the point about maybe it went on a little too long. That that part at the end kind of went on for like a minute and a half. But I mean, this, this is great. Uh, I don't think it'll be interesting to see what comes next because it's not the kind of thing you, you can sustain over an album. It's a little much, it's a little just pulsating for me. And, but in that, that for that four minutes, uh, I think it works. Uh, I'd give it, I'd give it four out of five. All right. Very fair, John. I'll also uh, give it a, a four. Uh, I thought it was a great start to the album. It was definitely a lot um, funkier than I thought, although it's not a surprise. I mean, you look at the album cover and then you hear this and you're like, yep. (laughs) It checks out. (laughs) But uh, while I was listening to it, I I think I can agree that the, the, the riff, especially toward the end was really repetitive, Mm -hmm. but I think it was deceptively simple because while the guitar is doing one thing, um, the the drums and the uh the the synth or the organ are doing something different uh not terribly complex but definitely they're showing off their chops so i think that and that was the whole reason for it you didn't want the even though the guitar was out front you didn't want it doing a whole bunch of stuff while muzan is is uh doing his drum thing so yeah um and I kind of liked it. I mean, you know me about uh, repetitiveness and things going on too long, but when you get a good groove like that, it's kind of like almost a a rarity that they just kind of hang on to it and you're just like, yeah, keep going. So it was like, um, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. All right. I will, um, I will give it a 4.5. I really, I love it. And I, the only, I, I, and I, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I understand what he's saying with, yeah, it, you probably could have cut the, even though it's four minutes long, which is not a very long song, especially in this genre. No. Um, the end was a little bit repetitive, but I just want to play back, even though it was so repetitive, we never usually do this, but I just want to play this back and just imagine block out all the instruments, but the drums and it's, it's a drum solo. Listen, it is. So drum solos are often maligned, um, but uh, but 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 there I can I can just see that he was doing a drum. If if that had been a drum solo, <laughs> which would have been we've only encountered one studio album that had an extremely long drum solo on it, and it was 
absolutely horrible. Um, mm. uh, but uh, in this in this case, had he left that as just a drum solo, it, w- it would have been out of place. But the fact that they were doing something more musical with it made it, you know, it's no different than. Mm. Well, I mean, it is different, but it's it's the same idea as the, the band just jamming out on a guitar and fading out on a guitar solo or something, which no one would bat an eyelash over that. But this with the band just doing this repetitive riff and he's doing his drum solo, it, it seems a little odd, but I think it works really yeah. well. Well, if you think about it, too, um, it, it couldn't have been the easiest thing to maintain doing that riff over the drum solo and keeping time with it. Because think about yeah. it, too. It's kind of a choppy riff and it's not too fast and it's kind of a little slow. And when he's doing all that stuff behind it, you got to think that th- they're going like, all right, concentrate. Don't use your don't lose your spot. That's what I would be doing anyway. Yeah, it's all very impressive, technically, of course. Um, And I agree exactly with what you're saying, Nate, that it is, I mean, the last minute and a half is a drum solo with just a band playing along, kind of playing that that same riff over and over again. And I'm, you know, I'm a drummer. It's probably my favorite instrument. But drum solos just don't usually work because drums aren't a melodic instrument. So it gets boring versus a guitar or piano, right? And actually, over the weekend, I I watched the... uh, Buddy Rich, it's called the Impossible Drum Solo. If you oh, guys yeah, have seen yeah. that, I saw. Well, yeah, and you, it's t- probably, you posted it the other day, I, right? I tweeted it. Yeah, and it probably is the most impressive, coolest drum solo I've ever seen. It's unbelievable, yeah. and everyone knows how great yeah. he is. But even with that, by like minute four, it's you're kind of getting bored, yeah, because it's just <laughs> just a lot of drums without any melodies, and so uh, I, this didn't get into that territory at all for me. But um, but yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the rest of the album is like that or if it sounds more like a band jamming together versus maybe one guy soloing. But look, it's his album. It's his solo album, and he's a hell of a drummer, so I don't blame him for starting it out like that. Yeah, why not? Makes perfect sense. Um, When I was in high school in jazz band, um, I played bass, and our friend Scott, who you may remember from our Coverdale Page episode, shortly before uh, you were on the show a few weeks before you were on the show last time. Um, he was the drummer. He's phenomenal. Best drummer I've ever played with. He's just such a great drummer. And um, our band director, his guidance, we were doing uh, Chuck Banjone, uh, Land of Make-Believe. And um, mm-hmm. his direction to us was, okay, everyone's going to drop out. Nate's going to keep the time. And basically wanted Scott to play this really off time drum solo to try to throw me off. So I would have to just, I was just like, you know, the, the, if you're familiar with that song, it's just like, doom, 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 like just a, a, a root note in the fifth, just almost endlessly, except for these little changeups and stuff. So I'm just doing that and trying to block him out. Cause he's just doing the craziest drum stuff imaginable. And it was, and it was, even though it's just these two notes is like the hardest thing I've ever had to play because you've got this drummer, like intentionally trying to screw you up. Um, but it was a good <laughs> yeah. exercise in learning how to do something like this, where you're a band. It's very different dynamic for the band to be keeping the time and the drummer to be soloing at the same time. Very, very odd, but cool. Good. good it's good. Pra- I don't know how fun it is to listen to, but it's good practice. Um, All right, so next up we have track two on side one of this LP, and that is called Snowbound. Snowbound. 
So Alphonse Muzan has all writing credits for this album, so he's putting together these riffs, these melodies, and damn good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you'd expect to see maybe the entire band or several members of the band credited on like a kind of a jammy album, but not here, huh? talk box it sounds like <laughs> or maybe like it's just oh, a fuzzed so out good. envelope filter or something <laughs> so henry davis what a, what a bass player man based on his resume not surprising Again, I don't think there's any solos on this song, but again, it's a kind of a very repetitive. But I think when you got a groove this good, you could do worse than to repeat on this. Yeah, it just keeps building on top of what's already happening. Like each time it comes back to the main riff, there's a new thing happening on there. Just more funky noises. Funky noises would be a good name for an album. That'd be a good name for the song. <laughs> funky noises. But you're right, like looking at this album cover, just if, if I didn't know Tommy Boland or this album or anything, and I was in a record store and I saw this, I would just buy it. I would be like, I'm... Oh, yeah. I feel confident yeah. enough with this album cover that this is going to be some good stuff. I would look at the date first, maybe, just to be extra sure. <laughs> but and if I saw 1975, yeah, like, checks out. That would work. <laughs> I think one Alphonse Muzan is now whispering to the other. Glenn Hughes says that we're damn funky. <laughs> could be, maybe that's what they're saying. We'll have to have like a, con- a, a, a contest in the Discord or something of who can come up with the best caption for this. Yeah. So they're fading out. It's like Tommy. <laughs> Actually, Bullen's, that's a good idea. Tommy Bolin every Tommy Bolin said every song went on a minute too long. This is only three minutes long, and it fades out. I'm sure they probably jammed on this for about twelve or fifteen minutes. Uh, <laughs> shows, I think it shows a lot of restraint that they cut it off when it did. Because I, to me, I I could I could have done at least another minute or two, even with as little as there was going on. It was just really really cool stuff. Okay. Yeah, this one. Yeah, I would not say it. It. It, it could have gone on longer. I agree. It was, I mean, it, it's three minutes, which like you said before, I mean, for a fusion album, it's kind of remarkable to have songs this short, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that groove, that melody is just funky as hell, even more than the first one. Um, and then instrument or you know, guys who can play the instruments top of their game. That's another 4.5 for me. That's great. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think like like you said, guys at the top of their game. It's just it it's all it shows like great restraint to have absolute mm-hmm. like I mean this is just a line like this band is just a lineup with a resume that just goes on forever. It was just amazing chops to just keep it that simple for three straight minutes. Nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's trying to show off. They're just doing a really good groove and um, yeah, 
really cool stuff. Yeah. And even, but even without solos, you can tell how good they are, right? Just the little moments here and there, you can tell how precise they are. And I don't know, it's, it's impressive still. Yeah. But strong restraint at the same time, which is hard to come by. And it wasn't even a real band. It was like just, I mean, they were a band and that they played together, but it wasn't like they were playing together for years. They just kind of came together, jammed around for this album. They were all in the studio for, I think, six or seven days and just kind of threw this together. Oh, wow. wow. What, what does it say here? I think I have the dates here. It was um, December 4th, 5th, 6th, 9th, and 10th. Five days. <laughs> so they had wow. for seventh and eighth must have been a Saturday, Sunday. They came back Monday, Tuesday to fill it up, to, to, to follow it up. And that was it. Recorded at recording Helder Recording Studio. Um, I'm sorry, Hyder Recording Studio 3 in Hollywood, California. All right, John, what That's do you think impressive. of this track? So uh, I'll give this one uh, uh, 3.5. Um, a really uh, solid uh, mid-tempo track. Um, this one I remember from uh, being on the Ultimate. I think this was one of the two tracks that was on that, that box set. I don't think so. I, I think it was. I don't think so. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to keep arguing until you prove. Look, Nate's looking back there like, you got to prove I'm looking just out of reach. I can't reach. <laughs> I'd love to be the judge, too. but I don't know anything. Mine's right there, too. Come on. Oh, All right. It's almost there. You can almost reach it. All right. Well, I remember. Or listening to the next song, you can grab it. Um, Okay, um, but um, this one is is again. It's 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 uh, repetitive. Um, I think not not as uh, catchy as the first one in terms of its um, uh, repetition. Um, I, w- I would have liked to have heard some uh, some soloing or or something. But I do agree that with the caliber of musicians here, it does take a lot of restraint to not rip into some wild solos or do something a little more technical. Like sometimes less is more. So um, it's still really good though. It's keeping with the theme. You you have this really um, intense opening track and then this one just kind of levels out a little bit and lets you groove. So. Yeah, I will. Um, yeah. I'll meet you guys in the middle and give it a four. I, re- I, I just really dig it. I think it's a super strong track great groove a lot of fun to listen to john's taking off his headphones to go get the get the ultimate <laughs> he wants so desperately phone. to prove me wrong which he very I think well you're right Nate. he very well based is. on what i'm seeing yeah. <laughs> i think oh, you're right oh are you looking it up i was looking at my phone oh okay so there we go but he has the official copy so the official copy yeah there it is it all, is right. The ultimate. all right here we go let's see the ultimate my my original cassette copy I think it's just golden rainbows and nitroglycerin that are on the ultimate. Um, huh. You know what? I think he can't believe that I'm right. right. God damn it. Well, where did I hear this one? Well, I, I heard know, this one somewhere else. Maybe it was another Tommy Bolin compilation or, or No, you know what I something. think it was? I think when we first started the show, we did like a Tommy Bolin episode, and I think I might have played this one uh, specifically because it wasn't on the Ultimate as a, as a example of just some of what Tommy Bolin was doing before he joined Deep Purple. So maybe no, that's where I, I've heard it before. No, I mean, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that I've heard this um, 
before that, but I mean, yeah, uh, quite possible. Could, could be, could be wrong. Could be on like but, a, um, one of those purple people albums or something like that. You know, those little you know, purple compilation, like family tree or whatever. Um, yeah. But anyway, oh, well, the, the next song is about something that surrounds us all. And that is of course, carbon dioxide. This one features Tommy Bolin on guitar and Jerry Peters on organ. So we're going to see a couple of solos by these two gentlemen on carbon dioxide. (laughs) Tom work. Neil Kirk fills. Yeah. So another. Uh, Jeez, I mean, it almost. It another almost Mega Man like a, sounding like song. Early metal album. Yeah. Yeah, if you just change the tones up, it, it could sound like a little bit of a metal. Okay, so comes this Tommy Bolin using the Echoplex here. ominous sounding this reminds me of the music of like David Banner like hitchhiking (laughs) 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 oh the Hulk just destroyed another town (laughs) I gotta get out of town Well, a lot of lot of stuff going on in the background there. Oh, like Zappa there. It's like a Zappa style. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Got the tone, and usually it doesn't sound like Zappa with his playing, but. Even the drums, it just sounds like mid-70s Zappa. album a handful of times and every time I hear it I say I gotta check out more Alphonse Muzan and I, then I never do. I gotta I gotta make that happen this time. Yeah. Didn't he, pl- he played with Weather Report, right? For a year or two. You know? I think he might have, yeah. Let's see. That sounds right. Sure. I wanna see I saw that in his like discogs or something. Yeah, it was on their self-titled album. Oh, really? Their debut. Played with Herbie Hancock as well. (laughs) 
So I'd say this would definitely be a uh, category of went on a minute too long. A little long, yeah. Carbon dioxide. What do you gentlemen think of that track? Do I go first every time or do we mix it up? Hey, <laughs> I don't want to always jump in. No, you, you go the first. guest always goes first. Okay. Um, this was, I like the sequencing. This is cool. Where the last one was more just a funky kind of groove and no solos. Makes sense for the next song to now we kind of get some badass guitar solo, which I enjoyed. Um, it is kind of funny. We keep going back to this, and you said it, but even though these songs are short, it's like they find a riff or a, a theme or a head of the song, like in jazz music, I guess they call it, and they really love it and <laughs> kind of beat it to death. <laughs> Where sometimes, like, mm -hmm. it, what I like is to kind of go off into the solos with a different um, riff or something or feeling behind it, and then you have that sort of triumphant moment at the end where you go back into the head and and you, you finally get back there and it, it feels like a big moment mm. uh, and kind of breaks up the dynamics of the song. And I'm not hearing that here, but I still like, I mean, I still like it. The solo was great. Guitar solo was great. Uh, I'm going to go 3.5. All right. John. I'll give, um, I'll give a 3.5 as well. Um, I think this is um, like another. Th this was kind of a lot like the the first song, which uh, with with the drums, it was a lot more kind of intricate drum work in the background. Um, and I think that's something that that you just hit on there is that um, yeah, when they do find a, a groove or a riff or something, they do re go repetitive over and over again. Um, which in this this song, it did feel like it got a little bit too much. Now I can kind of see where Tommy Bolin was like, yeah, we could, we could have cut this short by like half a minute, a minute. Um, but it was good to hear some of those, uh, familiar Tommy Bolin tones, guitar solos. And, uh, it's nice to hear that they, they, the producer didn't mix them down either. Like it's, it's not a Tommy Bolin album, but, but he wasn't buried. He was like, there, he was like right out front. Um, and you can hear that unrecognizable, uh, that, that unrecognizable, <laughs> that definitive recognizable sound. I'm tired. I've been up since 4 a.m. I'm tired. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing great, man. <laughs> that, that undeniable. There we go. That there undeniable. Go. Okay, cut that out. Let's try this again. You can hear that undeniable, <laughs> um, uh, Tommy Bolin quality, his tone, his soloing, um, while still hearing all of that really cool, uh, dry, um, as you put it, uh, drum sound, uh, drum work in the background, which I think all works really well together because it's uh, really like it's, it makes it a cool album, but it also sounds really kind of 70s, which is uh, really nice. You know, it sounds like the era, um, but it also sounds heavy, too. Like a couple of these songs, uh, like if you if you had like if you gave them to like Metallica or something, they probably turned it into like this big riff fest. Yeah, yeah. You know, these are some heavy jazz songs. Yeah, super. Yeah, I I, I give it a three point five as well. 
Um, yeah, I think the the only th- yeah you've got him going off in the background, but even though he's it's his album and he's obviously making putting his stamp on it as a drummer, he's not overpowering everybody else in the mix or overshadowing everyone else. Um, I can't remember if it was in this book or somewhere else where I was reading that he was. I mean, it seems like the relationship with uh, Alphonse Mouzon was was great, but it was definitely like, oh yeah, this is a guy who's who knows his worth <laughs> it's you know really right, good yeah. you know he's not um he, he's not someone that's uh uh that that is not aware of the fact that he's a really great musician or a real great drummer he's 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 <laughs> definitely got an ego but he was not like an asshole or anything about it um right right i mean that's yeah. a good musician or songwriter will play uh for the song and not make it all about themselves and anybody dressing like he does on the album cover <laughs> twice over knows he's a badass. Yeah, and that shows True. he cares about us too because we love it. We love seeing it. I mean, who, that's right. Who wouldn't want to see that guy dressed like that? I mean, it's just incredible. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, the final track on side one of the album we dealt with or i feel like we're in biology class we are no, sorry chemistry class we dealt with carbon dioxide now here's ascorbic acid the back cover makes you think of biology class yeah that's biology straight up Thirty seconds on the dot, and the hit, the band just comes in. Half minute drum solo to start. Why not? Well, it shows some restraint and some knowledge that if you push it any further than that, you're gonna lose people. Right. Yeah, that's the right amount. Flight of the Bumblebee or some sort, cool. of, sort of thing. So this solo, there's two guitar solos in here. Neither are by Tommy Bolin. The first is by Jay Graydon. And the second by Lee Rittenor. So the middle section of this album is a little light on the Tommy Bowl, and then he comes in in the end. Uh... Yeah, this is this isn't Tommy. No. Yeah, I mean I could tell, but I feel like it could have been with him being a little like using a different tone or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, this is Lee Rittenor. The drum beat is so frantic, Jesus. Yeah, it's absolute insanity. I feel like it's going so fast, I'm I'm becoming afraid that it's all gonna fall apart. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of gives you that, yeah, on the edge feeling because it, yeah, it's such a high tempo. Well, even the, the beginning part of the song, I wonder if they recorded the whole song live because it's like there were these little imperfections and things in that drum solo that I'm sure he could have easily done a second take, but everything just comes in together, boom, exactly at the right time. So they knew what they were doing. It wasn't an accident. two or three times jesus jesus <laughs> it's like stressful to listen to <laughs> yeah, i just feel tired listening to that yeah. <laughs> it's like you said you're nervous it's all gonna fall apart and but you're just like you're, i I, feel, I bet if you took our blood pressure before and after that song it's gonna be a difference like like it just kind of works you out no, I was getting anxiety listening to it i'm like ah, they're gonna mess up <laughs> yeah yeah he started the album with that onslaught with all the drums in the last minute and a half. And then it ends the first side with another pretty frenetic onslaught. Yeah. Uh, once again, announcing that this is a, a drummer's album. Uh, it's not one I would probably listen to as often as maybe the first three. It's incredibly impressive, but yeah, you know, I'd rather have a groove or a, I don't know, something to kind of, kind of dig into. Uh, but it's, it's cool. It's impressive. I'm going to give it a three. All right. John. I think like, uh, I think simple here is reading my mind here. Um, with these ratings, um, I give it a uh, three as well. Um, it was, uh, it was definitely impressive. Um, but, um, um, I, I would say, uh, kind of, I don't know if I want to say it was like um, an average track, but it's it's like I'm starting to see the the pattern on the album is you're getting some really kind of a uh, impressive um, kind of percussive or um, um, drum oriented songs. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh, is it um, like a timekeeping or time signature or whatever? Like how how fast it was going? The um, oh, like what's the, the word B I'm looking B for? BPMs like beats per minute. Yeah, or the, yeah. Or the pace tempo. of the song. It's, yeah, the tempo, the pace of the song is being set by um, what a um, kind of virtuoso drummer he is. And it's like, I feel like he he was saying, okay, this, this song is going to be so fast that people might think that nobody's going to be able to keep up with it or we can't keep up with this pace. Right. And um, yeah, it had some like good solos and it, it was sticking with the theme of the album, kind of uh, kind of funky, kind of drum nerdy uh, type of stuff. Um, but I, I, again, I wouldn't, play this one again either um because there was nothing really catchy like maybe the first few songs were um little little less funk and a little more virtuosity here all right yeah i, I will agree i think we've all locked up on these last two songs i'll give you a three as well um really great energy to it um but 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 the pattern i think in the last couple songs at least is um they've found a they found something 
and they've stuck with it. And maybe it needs a B section or another another slight change or something to to, to mix it up a little bit. But still, it's incredibly uh, great grooves on this album. And um, hey, it's a great ascorbic acid. It's it's cold and flu season. Ascorbic acid, of course, is uh, vitamin C. So it's a good reminder to us to to stay hydrated and take your vitamins <laughs> so you can avoid cold, flu, and now COVID. <laughs> Who wants mm-hmm. COVID again? Nobody needs that. Okay, on to the second side of the album here. First track up is a track called Happiness is Loving You. That was almost like a P-Funk bass line. All right, I dig that. That's the sort of stuff you hear on the opening track. That that sort of guitar melody. That's just so simple. That I like. That's a great bass groove. I wonder if anyone's ever sampled this. Yeah, you this is very, you very soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd love to. Entries on whosample.com, so everyone else is lost. And this guitar is uh, Lee Rittenor again. Doing those little pinch harmonics there. just like in the vein of Spectrum's perfect background boogie and down music. I love the I love the really high bass slide. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's just one of those simple perfect guitar melodies that mm. Yeah, great plan by Tommy. So it's, yeah, I wonder if that's Tommy doing the background part with that. 
reverb part. I, I really feel like, what, the the, uh, the notes that he's picking out? The pew, 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 like that stuff? I, I, I feel like it's all Tommy. Well, Lee Rittenor did the solo. Oh, yeah, but maybe Tommy's doing, like, everything else, and he just coming to do the solo. I mean, if not, the guy's uh, two styles really blend well together. So this, so this sounds like, you know, bow, wow, wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay. It sounds like, um, yeah, 90s. But that, that was, that, that wasn't actually a rare Dr. Dre sample and that he didn't sample parliament. He went really out on a limb and he sampled, uh, George Clinton instead solo. <laughs> um, <laughs> he really mixed it up. But yeah. that was from, uh, I think the name of the song is, um, Atomic Dog. Cause I remember when I, had first heard that I, I went out, I went out and got that album because I wanted to check it out, and um, but that was seven years after this. But this sounds very much do do doom 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 do do. It sounds like the same sort yeah. of like kind of groove. Um, so maybe, yeah, that whole feel. You're right. It sounds like something that would have been sampled on on nothing but a G thing on that on the yeah. Chronic album. Um, yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, I think this is getting back on track after the the kind of showy. Mm-hmm. We heard before, which let's face it, that last song, it's impressive, but only music nerds would like that last song. This song yeah. feels like something that anybody could kind of get into. It's just got a great groove. Mm-hmm. And for me, I often think about, you know, when we really love guitar solos, of course, a huge part of that is the the notes that are played and the sound, but how much of it is the, the groove and the background of it that makes you really connect with the guitar solo or whatever the solo is. Right. Yeah. And so this was the right kind of groove. The guitar worked over it. Um, the solo. Yeah, this was cool. I'm going to go 4.5. All right. John. I'll give this one a uh, four. Um, I don't know if there's much that I can add. Um uh, it's it's definitely a um, probably the most um, I guess melodic song on the album so far. Um, I, yeah, I really liked it because we we got hooked into uh, a melody and a bass line that we could groove to for what four or five minutes, mm-hmm. um, and it was really enjoyable to listen to because there wasn't any there wasn't any kind of drum solo stuff going on in the background, no virtuoso stuff, just a really kind of simple good groove played by a bunch of good musicians so um um yeah i really like i was about to say after the first side that this is um this this really is the difference between like songwriters and musicians because these really aren't um saying it in the best possible way these aren't great songs Mm -hmm. It, it just sounds like they're a bunch of musicians getting together and being like okay here's like a here's a concept for a song or here's, here's a groove, like a diagram or here's like a thing to like a, like, and we're going to build on this and that's not really great songwriting, but that's not to, and that's why you, you like albums like this, you're not going to be like putting them back on listening to the whole thing front to back being like, Oh yeah, my favorite song is like, <laughs> yeah you know it has yeah, that you're not gonna it. get that stuck in your head like oh, i gotta listen to that just check it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right but but on the other hand there's something to be said for stuff like this too is, is it like i would put this one on 
um, in the background as part of like a, like a mix or something. If we if have it like a, like a chill night or a, some friends over like low key type of thing, like this would be good as part of like a compilation or I'd put this on again to just be like, yeah, listen to this cool shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely has its place. Mm-hmm. Nate, but before we get to you, I, I want to ask you guys a question. So you said this album is credited to, moves on as as a songwriter right even though mm. it seemed like a different first name maybe a well, spouse or maybe a yeah, maybe. name for him or yeah maybe like his first or middle name i don't know elvina but elvina elvina yeah so i don't really know if we'll get to the bottom of that tonight but what do you think it means to write one of these songs like what does that even look like i think usually you see it listed like the four yeah. five guys that played on the song maybe one guy comes up with a riff the others kind of join in and, but it, it's a little weird for the drummer or one person to, uh, to write all of these songs to yeah. me. And, and you know, in some cases it's, it's a, a situation where they're just, they pay off, they, they pay all the other people to just be session guys and forfeit any writing credits. I I don't get that impression mm-hmm. with this. I think he was probably just like, Hey, listen, I got this groove. Like, you know, he's, he's, yeah he, he obviously did the synthesizer solo on the first song, which was, was pretty good you know but it's probably not his his main thing so he probably came up with this like hey oh, i got this thing this groove that i want to have go like this and the arrangements aren't complex in any way so maybe he just had these ideas for these grooves he wanted to do obviously they're peppering in all of their own little i don't think he was mapping out every bass fill we hear and all that but he probably was coming up with the basic structure and the chord progressions and the little riffs and they took it from there that's the only thing i can imagine that's that's right. That makes sense. And I wasn't thinking of him playing the synthesizer before. So he he's not just a drummer. He could play a melody on some other instruments and um yeah, and then kind of the band maybe fleshes it out, but it's it's his song, his basic melody or groove. Yeah. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Um I give this one a four point five too, because I really, I really love it. I love the groove of it. And this is this is my wheelhouse of just like the right element of of feel and funk and all that. I just, I, I love that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, it takes like that previous song, ascorbic acid is very much in like that classic, uh, fusion thing where, you know, a guy goes on the keys and he plays the electric piano and he's like, picks out a nine, like an add nine chord. And then as he's doing, letting the last note ring off, it's the drummers, you know, doing these little <laughs> chokes on the hi-hat or a cymbal. Yeah. And, and then they do it again. And it's just, you know, which is like, I, I love that sort of stuff. But yeah, after a while, it gets a little grating. And it's cool that this album breaks it up. Like, like John put it perfectly, like I wouldn't call it a song or the songwriting is that great. This, I would feel like this is a song. The ascorbic acid mm. was more like just kind of a, a vibe or a feeling or an atmosphere that was getting set. And that's fine. You know, not and not everything is a song in the way that we the, the most of the music that we mm-hmm. listen to probably is. Um, and I like those little intro. Right, like and not things a hit. Spice it up. Yeah, like not something somebody would like a, like a songwriter song, like something you would write to be catchy or a hit or something on the radio. Uh, I mean, they're all songs, but I mean, um, um, I feel like to I, I would be tempted to say that this was stuff where they all got together and were like, yeah, let's let's jam and see what happens. But I mean, with what was it like five days? Probably yeah. not. It's yeah. probably closer to what you said is that he had a structure or an idea and they kind of maybe fleshed it out a little bit. And since they're all, you know, were consummate professionals probably banged it out in like less than a week and made it sound pretty great. 
what I would like to hear is if next time we're in Nashville, uh, we hang out and go to like a like a place where there's like somebody like a, a singer songwriter guy with a guitar up on stage. If he just busts out ascorbic acid and starts playing that. <laughs> yeah. Really? There you go. She sounds really Yeah, familiar. we'll request it. We'll, we'll put enough money in the tip jar that he has to try to play the song. Yeah, hey. Even if we have to play it for him first. Play ascorbic acid by Alphonse <laughs> Mazzon. He's like, what? What the hell? Um, all right. <laughs> Where are these people? <laughs> now play Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Oh. <laughs> Next track up is Some of the Things People Do. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was credited. Vocals. I think Alphonse Mouzon was credited with vocals, so that might have been him. Well, 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 well. Didn't see that coming. That's Alphonse, yeah. Could have called the song Rhyming Dictionary. That's great. <laughs> you gotta help them. Oh, some of the things people do just ain't right. It's great. Back to the album cover. My caption for this is uh, he's telling the other moves on, hey, don't try to write lyrics or sing. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the drumming. <laughs> I don't have any memory of this song. Me neither at all. And I know I've heard this album all the way through. But it's very much like not maybe not this chorus part, but the verse part is very much like in the tradition of Parliament or Funkadelic, where it's just very loose, thrown in the vocals. It almost sounds like it was just like a guide track. Like, I'm going to get somebody else to sing this. This is what I want them to do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> this is just a rough idea, guys. <laughs> and this is the, uh, the last uh, Lee Rittenor solo. The last two songs after this are Tommy Bolin. It's also a little weird to just get six tracks deep into a album like this and then to throw in vocals all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I, that was surprising. Yeah, it was. It was kind of surprising. 
very um for example people like, like me, me and you, you. <laughs> our examples of people me and you uh, that, that was interesting <laughs> yeah it was kind of unexpected i really don't remember that i don't know why um, I, I do blocked it out <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, still, you know, obviously still very capable musicians, but I think this was a misstep. Uh, I like the idea of mixing it up, maybe yeah. in a sixth track out of eight. It's time to maybe try something different, but yeah, this did not work for me. It kind of sounded like, uh, I don't know, like a, a band in a movie or a TV show. Like they're, they're playing a certain genre of music yeah. and they kind of get it, but it's just not quite right. Yeah, I know you know what I mean. Yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah, it's not like he's a terrible singer, but it just didn't didn't feel right. It was like you said, a guide track. We just like, here's an idea of a song, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, uh, it's almost like they, you know, they were in this studio, and when you look at all of the folks that are in the orbit of all these musicians, Marvin Gaye and um, Al Jarreau yeah. and who, who are some of the other folks that I mentioned Joe Cocker, uh, Jackson five, um, all of these, yeah. all these folks, Marvin Gaye. If one of those folks had just happened to be in the studio next door during this, they probably would have been like, Hey, we'll get you, yeah. we'll, we'll give on, you a man. drink or whatever. You want to come hang out? Just do something over this. We, I did this silly little guide vocal thing, but why don't you do something see how it turns out? It could have been like a killer track, but, and yeah. then they get to it the worked. end of the recording and they're just like, well, shit, we never did anything with that. Well, I'll just send, I'll send it out with that. Like it's, it's fine. Yeah. Our six days are up. So yeah. I guess, we're, I guess this <laughs> yeah. is it. Nobody happened to wander by the studio in that time. So we're screwed. <laughs> yeah. I keep calling Marvin, but he, he hasn't gotten back to me. So <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give it a two. All right. That's fair. All right, John. Um, I'll, I'll go uh, slightly higher and give it a 2.5. Um, I, I thought it was pretty decent when I heard the, 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 woo or whatever at the beginning, I thought it might've been one of those songs where it was uh, kind of like when we were listening to the, the uh, Joe Satriani album, and it was just like the only vocals were like the, the the whistling and the guy going hey, 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 oh, you know yeah, just yeah. noises and yeah, then yeah. i'm like oh he's going into a full vocal <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's going for it yeah or or maybe yeah, it's one of those things like it, the the drum mics picked it up like because he was getting into he's like woo and like it came through a snare or the overheads picked it up but, right right yeah. and then he started singing and then you know i i agree with everybody else is that it sounded like he was he was trying something and then they ran out of time and they're like ah well let's just keep it <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we, we tried to get Glenn Hughes, but, uh, you know, we couldn't, uh, cause Hughes could have sang on this. It would have been great. Um, that that's oh, yeah. my pick, uh, deep purple well, family. But, um, I, I think that if you take that away from, uh, take the music separately, uh, from the vocals, it had some, it had some good stuff going on there. Uh, I, the bass particularly, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the bass at all on this album. Um, and I was kind of listening to it, just like trying to push past the vocals and be like, yeah, I could, this would be good if it were re-recorded or something. I will agree and also give it a 2.5. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's a fun little jaunt in the middle of it, but yeah, it's definitely nothing special. And I think one of the things a lot of people forget, I think people just assume, just have this uh, this preconceived notion if you're like, 
a, a, a recording artist or a musician who's released an album that you're like infinitely wealthy and famous and you can do things on your own terms and you've got all this freedom. They're just like you and me. They were going to, you know, they were going into work. This was their job. They went in, they had limited resources, limited time. And you, you know, you guys, you guys have had regular jobs. I've had regular jobs where there's times when you're like, well, this is just as good as it's going to get. We got to get it out and move on to the next thing. Tomorrow's <laughs> another day. You know, you you don't have the luxury at work of just everything being perfect and lining up perfectly. And, you know, unless you're a band like the Beatles who could just go and say, we're not touring anymore. We're just going to put out studios, albums at our own pace. And even they had some sorts of deadlines and guidelines around them. So um, a, a band of this little notoriety and fame would have just been had their five days in the studio, like you said. And that's it. They got it. You got you got to ship it eventually. You can't be in there monkeying around with it. You're not going to be tinkering with it all uh, um, uh, all month to try to make it perfect. But that's uh, yeah, that's a lot that's, of what gets that's in not, Adam's character. Yeah, that's a very short amount of time to try to record a full album, and and they did. I mean, most of this album sounds very good. The instruments sound great, and we don't even know. So, yeah, maybe this what one. The, what the writing process okay. was was did did they write it in the studio? You know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they only recorded eight songs. So even if this one wasn't, they might have listened back later and thought, eh, this isn't great, but we probably can't release a seven song, 28 minute yeah. album. I don't know. I mean, we're speculating. It's not that bad, but yeah. I think you make a very good point that it isn't like they just have infinite time and resources. Nope. Sadly, few of us do. All right. Very few. Well, with that, for you Tommy Bolin fans, uh, here we go. We're going to kick off our, I'm sorry, we're going to complete the album with the two, last two Tommy Bolin tracks. If you have the ultimate box set uh, from 1989, you'll be familiar with both of these. Uh, this is this would have been my introduction to this album and made me decide I had to pick up an actual copy. Um, so the penultimate track on the album is Golden Rainbows. I don't remember this one being as long. This one's almost seven minutes long. I know, shit. Very classic uh, Tommy Bolin, like running down the strings with a slide, you know? <laughs> Building a lot of tension here. Yeah, this is by far the longest track on the album. Yeah. And these last two songs are really Tommy Bowen showcases, which is why they made the uh, the box set. one now. I don't know if Tommy did double tracking himself on this. Because he's he's almost doing those little harmonized bits together, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. 
sounds very Tommy Bone, like you would have had writing influence on this. Yeah. Maybe Tommy is Elvina Muzon. Now, hearing a lot of his uh, stuff on this album makes me think that this style really influenced his playing on Come Taste the Band. Oh, yeah. You hear little things here and there that make me think of that style. And I mean, it was also the way that this playing developed a little bit over the those few years. And so I think he was kind of playing like more like this on Come Taste the Band, too. Right. And he got a lot of that from Spectrum, which is kind of what got him the Deep Purple gig was his playing on Spectrum. I don't think they were mm-hmm. familiar with this album. Tommy Bolin classic. But again, pretty simple. You just got an A section and a B section. Each go on for pretty much the same number of bars. You got these great musicians playing it. It's a great groove. I mean, how can you go wrong? And I'm sure a lot of these songs went even longer in the studio. Was this before or after Spectrum? This would have been after. (laughs) It sounds like he was like, he he meant to turn the Echoplex down, but he turned it up first. He's like, he was like, I don't even know how an Echoplex works. It just sounds like it was a mistake. for an Echoplex on eBay right now. They're not cheap. They're like $1,700 for one here. How much? $1,700. On Patreon. Help out. (laughs) Forget the new studio computer. I'm just going to get an Echoplex and when my computer dies, I'll just just put out some Echoplex solos for you. (laughs) I'm all for it. That could be like your new noise for when we get a five-star review. Oh, yeah, Nate will do a solo on the Echoplex. (laughs) Maybe you guys will be able to hear that. That's so strange. Some really nice patrons have sent us gifts over the years, so maybe somebody's got an Echoplex in their closet that they want to get rid of they can send over. I just don't know, because it works on a tape loop, so I don't know if the tape is old or dies of how it even still works. Great. 
Phillips has all the great Tommy Bolinisms in it that we love. Sounds like his guitar was crying. Snarf, snarf. Sad dolphin. <laughs> Sad dolphin. That was the working title for this one. <laughs> That was good. The ballad. The ballad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Nice. That one's for the ladies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for the ladies. (laughs) 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 Nice nice groove track. I mean, this album, if if nothing else, has just an amazing uh, feeling to it. Just creates a really great vibe. It's great. Great thing to have on in the background. All right. What do you say about Golden Rainbows? Yeah, like, well, first of all, the title confuses me because isn't the whole point of rainbows that it's all different colors? <laughs> so if they're golden, would it just be an it's arch? just one color? It's just, like, just, just a McDonald's the arch. Arches, so they should, McDonald's. should have called it McDonald's. This is an ode to McDonald's, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so Golden Rainbows. I don't know about that title. Yeah, that's a good point. But I like this. It's a, it's a cool change of pace. It's very different from the rest of the album. Um, even at seven minutes, the longest song so far, at least I didn't get bored. Like you said, I'm, I'm wearing people? this Caldor, Caldor. the seventies rainbow, the yellow, orange and brown rainbow of Caldor. So, oh yeah, maybe that's golden on top. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, but no, I liked it. And, uh, it didn't get boring to me even with its length. It, it would be great background music. Like you said, just something to put on and, uh, a cool groove, amazing guitar playing from your boys, your boy, uh, Tommy. I'm going to give it 3.5. 3.5. All right. John. Why are there so, why so, are there so um, many songs about golden rainbows? <laughs> the golden rainbow connection. Yep. <laughs> Over um, the golden rainbow. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I want to what I want to give the the song here because it was good, um, even though it was a little slower paced. Um, I'll give it a four because I like I like Tommy's work in it, mm-hmm. um, and it's it just it has a lot of that later era Tommy Bolin guitar style in it that I like that he was playing toward the end of his life when when he was in Deep Purple when he was doing his solo albums um this is the stuff that I really like he had all of his kind of signature um his signature uh moves in it if you will um which which I liked I enjoyed and it was another kind of um uh, maybe the whatever the first song was like this one would be another mood piece to put on in the background and kind of groove to yeah um, slower groove. All right, I will also give it a four. I've always dug this one. Obviously, it's this one and the next one are the two I'm the most familiar with because I heard them on the Ultimate box set uh, before I picked this album up. But yeah, I've always really dug the groove of this one, even though the songs on the album I like even a little bit more. Uh, this this one just has a really great feel to it it's all about the feel and tommy showing that he's you know obviously he can he can do he was never like a you wouldn't classify him as a shredder he's not like 
he can do really fast stuff and go, you know, really crazy, but he, he can really shine with it, show how much feeling he has in a song like this, rather than just kind of running up and down the fretboard was this, which is something he never really did. He was too classy for that. Um, okay. Final track on the album sounds, sounds a little bit more, uh, energetic with it, with this title. It's called nitroglycerin. <laughs> Just a tiny bit over three minutes. Love those little, those little hi-hat chokes. So does this make mean he's like the founding member of Weather Report? He's on the first album. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. This is pure Tommy. bass drums it just makes it makes it sound like a metal song and he's hitting the like the bass drums on the on the upbeats like oh yeah it's like really or at least maybe i guess you're hearing the one on the upbeat more clearly i guess so it sounds like he's almost just hitting it on the upbeat which is really odd for yeah, yeah that, the accent is on the upbeat yeah I just hear Sir Duke playing now. It sounds like it sounds like the song Contusion off Songs in the Cave of Life. It just immediately goes into <laughs> Sir Duke after that. Like it's, it, it's very yeah. similar feel. Just that frantic energy. All right. Nit- yes. Nitro Glycerin. Easy for me to say. What do you think of that track? Wow. Yeah. In the beginning, the first minute and a half or so, I was kind of feeling fatigue. 
not just the normal fatigue that I have as a human every day, but not my usual fatigue, uh, just kind of tired of like the, just started to sound like some of these other songs before and mm-hmm. just tired of listening to this much fusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then all that changed when the guitar solo came in that, that was cool as hell. That, that tone, um, and just the the different choices he made, the the notes he hit uh, really stood out. Was very cool. It, the, overall, this song reminds me a lot of the first song. Is mm-hmm. the I guess I'm thinking of this song in three parts. The kind of the part in the beginning it kind of bored me. The guitar solo, and then the the third and final part, which was kind of a drum solo all over again, like that first song. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I kind of like that as a, as bookends of the album. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this one uh, four, mostly right. for the guitar solo. Yeah. All right, John. Um, I'm going to give this one a four as well. Um, I I think that, uh, you know, you really hit it on the head. I think that this, this album ended at just the right time. And I'm glad that it ended with a, like a three minute song because mm-hmm. this much of this kind of sound or music can get really tiring. Like there are those albums that are really kind of, uh, I guess like niche albums, they have like one sound to them and way too much of it. Like by the end, you're just like, all right, I got to, I need a palate cleanser. I'm going to listen to something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but this one, it had all the best parts in it. Like these last two songs had a lot of like great Tommy in them. And this um, was probably his, probably some of his best guitar solos on the, on the album. It made me remember why he's one of our favorite guitar players. Uh, just the, um, his, his tone is playing a lot of stuff that I recognized from him doing and like um, come taste the band. Um, that's the, that's how I re- the the way that I reference it because a lot of the stuff I'm like, Oh, I remember he kind of did that in coming home. He kind of did this in, in dealer. Like I, I could hear like his, his little phrases in there, like, uh, tricks that he uses, things mm-hmm. that he goes back to. And it's, it's like familiar. It's nice to hear them because it's like, ah, that's, that's my guy, you know? So, um, and, and nice to hear it in a different setting, like not in a deep purple song, like in a jazz fusion song. And it spices it up, makes it interesting, makes it cool. Um, the double bass drum thing. I think I could take it for this one last song before I'm like, all right, another double bass <laughs> jazz song. Okay. Like, yeah, it's, but it's, it's still when the double bass is going away, do, 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 do the entire time yeah. throughout the whole song. It gets a little bit, a little bit much. It's a lot, it's but a it lot. still does blow me away. And like how heavy it makes the song without it being heavy. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think that this, this was a great note for the album to, to end off on. Yeah. Well, I agree with both of you guys. I would also give this one a four. Really great track. Always like this one. Uh, great energy. Um, don't know there's much to say that you guys haven't said, but um, like John said, yeah, it's interesting with 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 somebody whose career was as short as Tommy's really only, what, seven years of recorded mm-hmm. music to go on 
And it's interesting that it's not like we're experts or anything, but I can, you know, if you played me a Tommy guitar solo, I could probably pinpoint. I was like, oh, that's probably a solo from 1975-ish, you know, whereas, you know, if you heard his earlier, like, stuff from the 60s or um, even the early 70s, you can hear that transition. And he was someone that was so damn young. He was 25 when he died. So you learn a lot and grow a lot as a you very you grow, grow grow a lot as a musician very quickly over that when you're really starting to learn and develop your craft and all that and then i think a lot of artists usually generally just kind of stall out and reach a point where they you can't make that rapid progression anymore so you can really tell with tommy kind of what you're listening to and you know based on his tone what gear he's using and the kind of little tricks like you said that he throws in and um and it's really it is refreshing kind of hearing that. And it's also it's always very bittersweet to do these Tommy episodes. And honestly, I don't think we have any full Tommy albums to review after this one. Um, I think we've hit them all because while even though he, he had such a sh- sad and short life, he produced a ton of material. We've done so many Tommy episodes um, for a guy That's who crazy. died at 25. But. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing output. Imagine what else he could have done. Yeah, that's crazy. We talked about Yeah, that. for me, overall, the album, uh, I'd probably give it like a 3.5. I don't know. I don't know if we do this, but um, which is probably about the average of my my song ratings. I think that this would be an album that I actually go back and listen to because maybe we're skipping a couple tracks because there's a lot of cool stuff on here. The only reason I might not or I would not is because if I'm in the mood for this kind of thing, I'll probably go to spectrum Sure. and not that, you know, there's no point comparing the two, but spectrum to me, I have, I have a history with it, but I do think overall it still is kind of a superior album. Um, but I'm really glad to listen to this thing. Cause there's some extremely cool stuff on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, as John, um, goes to the next part, which is as he busts out the spreadsheet, um, we have to do something very special. And of course, that is to thank our foundation level patrons. So coming in at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier, we have Raf Calf, uh, Spike the Rock Cat, and Spike's Mom. Uh, coming in at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard and Ruinous Inadequacies. Coming in at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the Grave Transplant Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Blackmore Tights, and John Maselli. Well, you're looking at Tony Maselli right here, and I'm a double bubble. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, a double bubble. You know what? Uh, you know what time it is now.
All right, John, where does Mind Transplant fall in our pantheon of album reviews? Okay, so Alphonse Muzan falls uh, a little, I'd say a little below the middle, um, not not too low, um, not too high either. Um, we gave it a combined rating of uh, 7.31, so mm-hmm. it's uh, nestled between uh, Glenn Hughes' Play Me Out, funny enough, and Roger Glover elements. Mm. It's kind of kind of uh, unusual that it's those three albums are all sandwiched together, kind of all different efforts for each one of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, the um, the the simple man's rating was actually very your your um, combined rating was a three point six three. So your three point five rating for the whole album was actually kind of accurate. Yeah. Okay, glad to hear that. Rounded yeah. rounded down slightly. Makes sense. Rounded down slightly. Yeah, and um, yeah. Overall, it looks like. Um, yeah, my uh, uh, Nate's Nate's rating was the the highest, followed by Simple Man, followed by me, um, and then a combined rating was a ten point nine four. Okay, um, which makes that in our mm, we're looking at I'm our really uh, fumbling with the spreadsheet um, at our guest episodes. Yeah. A lot of math. Yeah, with our <laughs> our guest ratings um, puts that. Um, no, actually, not not in the middle. Mm, yeah, kind of uh, a little a little lower. Our previous episode with uh, with you, uh, Spectrum, came a little bit higher, like in, in the middle. This one's um, kind of a uh, four fourth lowest um, combined ratings with the guest. Oh well, like I said, I would expect Spectrum to be a little higher. That, in my opinion, anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I it's feel like that's the that's the that's the one that more uh, the the jazz album that more Tommy Bolin fans know him for than this will uh, this one, um, yeah. or maybe have heard more of. I know, I mean, I know I have, um, but yeah, overall, I think that it was um, it was a it was a it was a good album. I I definitely think this is the first time that I've heard it all the way through. And um, definitely not something I'd uh, revisit anytime soon, but glad I heard it and uh, a lot of, a lot of great playing on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to revisit it real soon. I, I, I loved it. I, 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 I dig the whole vibe of it for, to listen to the whole thing too, just to get, you know, you're going to have the little ups and downs and stuff and you're going to, some of the things people do, you're going to have to deal with that too. But um, for the, for you the most part, over it. <laughs> you can skip. Yeah. I won't. I won't. Embrace I modern technology. No, I'm no. not going to do it. So yeah, much like trouble. I did eventually. I'm usually right. listening to like John like, eventually did. I'm usually like, love how Nate's there just to remind me how I never did back in the past. <laughs> I'm usually listening to That's like, the great uh, thing about old friends is you can't get away with saying much of anything without <laughs> they were there all along the way. They can call you out. So remember to. what a great guy I was, Nate? What? <laughs> how dare That's you? Not how I remember it, John. <laughs> you were a huge jerk. No. <laughs> I don't know why I was friends with you. Yeah. It's finally paid off, but jeez. <laughs> That's why I had to wait. I had to give it a, at least a solid 30 years before we could uh, settle down and do a podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that I mean, fun album. We're going to have to get you back on again someday when we don't do a jazz fusion album. <laughs> no, it's fun. Uh, you know, I love you guys. I love the show. Uh, anytime I can do it, I'd be happy to come on. So Awesome. Like I said before, I've followed you guys from the beginning. It's cool to see how much it's grown from 
I remember the days where it was two or three people on the Patreon and now you've got tons of them. So, so happy for you guys. Well-deserved. Yeah. We're very, we're very lucky that anyone out there is, you know, I just like, you know, that's the, that's as any podcaster would tell you, the fact that anybody out there in the world will listen um, is, is pretty amazing. And to have the number of people and, yeah. and all the friendships we've built along the way is pretty uh, incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. And we right. were, we would we were going to be happy doing this if there was ten people listening or if there was a thousand people listening. Or, uh, That's what Nate said in the beginning. And I really <laughs> thought, right, let's start right. this. I don't know who's going to listen to it, but I'm going to put it out there. I, I would have guessed it would be <laughs> a lot yeah, closer same to with 10. me. I, yeah, <laughs> probably everyone on the Deep Dive Podcast Network would say the same. That yeah, you do it because it sounds like fun, and you don't think anyone will care. But it's it's nice when some people do. So. Yeah, I'm happy for you guys. And it's the great thing about the medium and just kind of like the whole internet age in general is when you're when you're when you're casting your net across the entire globe, you you can it's amazing how many people oh my god are actually going to be interested in what you're talking about versus you know if, if you were writing what a, a college newsletter or something in the 70s you just mm. pass it out to people on <laughs> campus and maybe get two or three people to listen so it's or to yeah. or to read or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it's it's yeah, amazing that's... amazing to have this. That's exactly right. But you also have to do it well because the, the flip side of it is that anyone can do it now. So there's a lot out there to pick from. So if you weren't doing a good job, you wouldn't have listeners like you do. So give yourself some credit. Ah, well, we'll, t- we'll take that. We appreciate that. But Ooh, yes, um, make it, make it. So, so <laughs> like a golden rainbow from me to you guys. <laughs> take those golden rainbows where you can get them. So, That's right. so just a reminder, where can, where can folks find you online or find your podcasts? Yeah, it's on all the places. You know, I'm on mostly on Twitter, barely on Instagram, but Twitter, Skinner Reconsidered Podcast. Um, yeah, and Apple Podcasts and all those, all the different places you listen to podcasts. If you care about me or Skinner or both, and you don't have to be a big Skinner fan. There's a lot of jokes and silliness, and I keep it short every episode. So just give it a shot. Take a little bite out of Skinner Reconsidered, and uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's probably on there. Yeah, my my kids loved it, so it's it's for everybody. Well, the second season, I Thanks think you kind of open it up to being a little more vulgar, but um, <laughs> got a little got a little went a little blue. Yeah. Second season, <laughs> first season, but, great, uh, great for the family. <laughs> second season, maybe yeah. maybe yeah, maybe not safe for all of these families. <laughs> yeah, I want to say some dirty words. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great great stuff. Uh, really appreciate you stopping by. We'll have to have you back on again some someday, and uh, you have a great evening. Too. Thanks, guys. All right, John, and I'll Thank see you. you next week. You know it. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. What do you think about this? I'm, I'm, I'm signing off. <laughs> F these guys. I hate this. I've had enough. Thanks, guys. The album cover came up. <laughs> Screw this. Yeah, I'm out of here. I didn't think we were getting into this much detail.